We are in a series on uh, learning about our giftings, our talents, and our strengths. And for the last several weeks, we've been learning that every one of you and me, all of us, that we are made in God's image. That means that you're made with intentionality, with purpose, with calling, and with giftings. Not just you and me, but every person you will meet this week. Every person in your fraternity or sorority, every person that sits next to you in class, every person that you work with, every person in your neighborhood that you come in contact with on 635, wherever it may be, every person is made in the image of God, not just here in Dallas, but around the world. And this is an incredible truth that the gospel teaches us, right? And when we begin to see that way, we begin to understand that we're made for a purpose and with gifting and with calling. We've been learning about that. And then we see that when we begin to practice the way of Jesus, that we begin to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works in our lives. He works new gifts, new talents, new strengths. And they don't erase the natural giftings we have, but they complement those giftings. And they help us become the people that God has designed for us to be. We've been learning about those giftings over the last several weeks, and we're going to look at our last passage on these spiritual gifts today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as we get going, I want to tell you a story about a man named Frank Laubach. He is an American guy that was born in the 1880s or so, and he was a smart guy. He went to Princeton for his undergrad then went to Union Theological Seminary uh, for his grad, one grad degree, then went to Columbia for a PhD, very intelligent man, uh, got married, and he and his wife sensed that God was calling them to be missionaries overseas to go and share Jesus with people who had never heard. They sensed that God was calling them to the Philippines. So they launched out kind of uh, right around the beginning of World War I, like in that time period, they launched out to the Philippines and they were living amongst a people who uh, were entirely uh, Muslim in their beliefs and their culture. And they were living there and they were sharing Jesus with people and they were uh, practically serving people as well by teaching reading, teaching people how to read. It was a really illiterate area and they were like, man, this would be a gift to empower people. So they're working in that field. They're working in that way. Uh, and along the way, Frank became very discouraged, very frustrated, very discontent with where he was in life over one particular issue. He felt like he should be further along in his relationship with Christ than he was. He's like, I've been a minister for 15 years. I've been sharing with other people about Jesus, and yet I feel spiritually immature. I, I, I don't feel like I have an awareness as much as I want of God's presence and his goodness and his power at work in my life. I feel like I spend so much of my life distracted you know, on, on other things. So this frustration turned into a resolution. I said, hey, I'm going to try and do some new things to help me grow in my awareness of the power and the presence and the goodness of Jesus at work in my midst, uh, he, he, he set out an experiment. He said, okay, I'm gonna try every hour, at some point during the hour, to turn my thoughts, to turn my attention to Jesus so that I just don't live and go through life just 
unaware. I want to I want to focus my awareness on Jesus. And so he started out with this little experiment. He thought maybe this would help him become more aware. And he said it was really hard at first. Like he said, it was definitely a choice of the will because he was just so used to kind of just doing life his own way and, and, and getting distracted, whatever. So he started working on it. And he said, after a couple months of, of really hard work, this, this duty that I had set out, this discipline that I had set out became a delight. I began to experience more of the presence of Jesus. So I began to become more aware. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't with him. It's he became more aware of his presence and his power and his goodness at work in his life. After doing this a while, he said, I cannot imagine living any other way. It was something new and life-giving to him. <clears throat> Not only was it life-giving in his own relationship with God, but people around him began to notice. The people that he worked with, remember, they're entirely uh, Muslim, but they began to notice what was happening in Frank. They began to notice this greater uh, peace in his countenance, in his eyes, this greater love, this greater sense of spiritual depth and power, so much so that they began to refer to him, even though he's a different religion, they began to refer to him as the man who knew God. And if you wanted to know God, you needed to go talk to him. Wow. Not only was it impacting people in that way, but in his work in the area of literacy, in this time where he's experiencing this kind of spiritual awakening, these new spiritual habits, he, 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 he comes up with a, a new thought on teaching literacy. And it was an idea that allowed him to decrease the amount of time it would take someone to learn to read from, from months or even years to be able to learn in a single afternoon. He figured out a way that he could teach people to read in their own language in a single afternoon. And as he started doing this, there was some uh, circumstantial problems that uh, made it to where there was not enough teachers to teach people to read. And so then he developed a method called Each One, Teach One, where not only would you learn to read in an afternoon, but you would be equipped to teach someone else how to read as well. And that method, the Each One, Teach One, today, there are 60 million people who know how to read today, who would trace that ability to this method that Laubach developed in this time period of life where he was experiencing this spiritual awakening. That's incredible. 60 million people. Because I could read because of this man. Uh, he became really well known and an advocate for literacy around the world. Uh, he was an advisor to the president over matters of literacy, and even had his face, his picture on a postage stamp. So you might have heard about him in a history class or, or learned about him if you worked, if you studied education or whatnot. But underlying kind of the accomplishments that we see was this deep life with God, was this practice of just becoming aware of God's presence and his power and his goodness at work in his life. That's amazing. Why do I share that story with you? Because I believe that we all have something in common with uh, Mr. Laubach. I believe that whether you're here today at church, and it's been a minute since you've been in church, like this is, you're like not really sure where you stand, you feel very far from God, 
Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus since you were three and now you're 93 and you are like, you know, Mrs. or Mr. Spiritual Maturity. Or maybe you're like Frank where you're like, man, I've been doing this a while, but actually I'm really frustrated because I feel like I live a whole lot of my life just feeling disconnected from God, right? Wherever you are, I bet that all of us have a desire to become more aware of God's presence, God's goodness, and God's power at work in our lives. I bet all of us have that desire, that we, that, that we would know, like, man, God is with me, and God's goodness is evident in my life. God's power is here, and that we would be able to live with more of that awareness. I think we probably all have that desire, regardless of kind of where we find ourselves on a faith spectrum. And so what I want to show you today is something from the Word related to the gifts of the Holy Spirit that can help all of us grow in our awareness and our experience of the power and the presence and the goodness of God at work in our life. Several years ago, there was a study done of 250,000 Christians, that's a whole lot of Christians, about what helped them to grow spiritually. This idea of becoming aware of God's presence was one of the top things that helped people grow in their faith and grow in their relationship with Christ. And we see that that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to look at today as we talk about these spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we see in 1 Corinthians. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12... This, again, is the Apostle Paul. We talked about him last week. This is, instead of a letter to the church at Ephesus, he's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. And he's talking to them. They're very similar uh, to you and me, people trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. What does it mean to walk with Jesus? How do I, how do I walk and who God has made me to be? And he's talking to them, uh, particularly here, about the role of the Holy Spirit in our relationship with God, one of the things that the Spirit does in our midst. And if you'll look, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, he says this. He says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So note right off the bat that Paul's desire and God's desire, speaking through Paul, is that we would not be ignorant or uninformed or confused about the Holy Spirit, or the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, depending on what uh, kind of spiritual background you have, if you grew up in church, you might have grown up in church that never really talked about the Holy Spirit, right? And you might feel like you're the, the guy at the gym. You've seen those guys with huge upper bodies and twig legs because they've never worked their legs, right? And their upper bodies are just massive and their legs are like twigs. You may feel like, man, I'm super developed in certain areas, but in the stuff of the Holy Spirit, I, I, don't, I just I don't know. I feel uninformed. Or you might have grown up in, in a church where it was like every day was leg day. Every day was like Holy Spirit. And you're like, man, that was a little too much, right? We as a church, we want to be holistic in following Jesus, right? We want huge biceps and huge calves. We want the whole thing, right? You all saw Arnold last week. We, that's, that's what we're pursuing, right? And so you might be like, man, I, I, I'm not sure about this. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm one of those people. Paul's desire right here for these uh, Christians at Corinth and for you and for me is that we wouldn't be uninformed, but that we would be able to learn 
and we would be able to grow. And what I want you to know about our church is this is an environment where you can learn and grow. This is an environment where you can ask questions. This is an environment where you can be like, is that really, I don't know about that. This is an environment where you can step out in faith and try new things. Like we wanna be a place where we're informed and we're growing in the things of the spirit. Second thing that I want you to see, when he talks about the gifts of the spirit, uh, this is actually an English translation, as you guys know, of a Greek letter, because most of us are not Greek scholars, right? And gifts of the Spirit is, is a, an approximation of what Paul is trying to say. If you know multiple languages, like raise your hand in here if you know multiple languages. Oh, we got a few. A little joke for you. What do you call someone who's trilingual? I mean, what do you call someone who speaks three languages? I get trilingual. What do you call someone who speaks two languages? Bilingual. What do you call someone that speaks one language? American, right? So, but for those of us that know a couple languages, you know that sometimes there are words in one language that it's like, you can't really translate that in this new language. Like there's not a word that, that, that adequately communicates that. This is one of those places. So I'm gonna give you the Greek word because I think it's helpful. And the Greek word is pneumatikos. Say that with me, pneumatikos. You're Greek scholars now, pneumatikos. And this word, pneumatikos, is not gifts of the Spirit, but it's an adjective that does not have a noun that goes with it. Now, if you think back to your second grade grammar class, right, you remember, oh, adjectives are supposed to go with nouns. Right here, it's just an adjective. There's no noun. And so translators are like, we're not quite sure what Paul is referring to here. So they, they say gifts of the Spirit. But another way of saying it might be to say the things of the Spirit. Might be a better way to say it. The things of the Spirit, about the things of the Holy Spirit, Paul does not want us to be uninformed. This word pneumatikos comes from a word related to wind. Or that's one of the images that this word brings to mind if you uh, were a uh, language, you know, if you spoke Greek, is, is wind. And when you think about that in relation to the Holy Spirit, you probably think of Jesus speaking in John chapter 3 talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about the Holy Spirit being like wind. In John chapter three, this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. And he says this, John chapter three, verse five, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And born of the Spirit in Jesus' words is what happens when we come to believe in Christ. That's why we say we're born again. We're born of the Spirit. So if you are in Jesus, you are born of the Spirit. And here he's saying that the Spirit is to work in our lives kind of like wind. Like you can feel the effects, but you can't see it. You, you can feel the impact. You, you can know that the wind is blowing but it's not something that you visually see. Little, little demo for you. A really cool fan here, hot pink. And uh, when, we're, when we're talking about wind, let's just demo this. Okay, so you can't see the wind, right? But if I put it up here, you guys can hear it. 
I can feel it, like my body temperature is changing, like you can, you can sense the impact of it. If I put it near this paper, you know, we see the impact of the wind, even though we don't see the actual wind. And Jesus is saying, so it is with the people born of the Spirit. From the lips of Jesus, that we are to let the wind or the breath of the Holy Spirit blow in our lives in such a way that there's visible impact, even though you cannot point to, okay, here's the Holy Spirit, right? The work is evident in our lives. And that's what Paul's talking about. About these things, I don't want you to be uninformed. So let's keep moving. And he begins to teach on this. He begins to train us. He begins to develop us in the things of the Holy Spirit. And he says this. He says, you know, when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Okay, so pagans, right? These uh, Christians predominantly came from other religions and converted into Christianity. So they had a wide background of religious experience and beliefs. That's why he says you were pagans. Now you have become followers of Jesus. But he said, when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Remember, mute means can't talk. Idols are like little statues or, or shrines or whatever that people worshiped. Right, so it's saying these idols, they couldn't speak, right? He's gonna talk about how the Holy Spirit, the living God, speaks. These idols could not speak. And yet he says, somehow or other, you were convinced to follow them. You were influenced and led astray to them. So what is that some, somehow or other? What, what, what influenced them? He goes on to say in verse three, and this is a really important point, we start talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, therefore, because of your past, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So what we see here is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's at work, uh, Holy Spirit's work in our lives is that Jesus is Lord is proclaimed. Jesus as king above all kings. Jesus is the one that's high and lifted up. That's what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a follower of Jesus. But note, Paul's also pointing out, why would he, why would he equip them in this way if there were not going to be other people who were speaking by some sort of spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. Get that? Why would he feel the need to say, hey, this is how you know it's the Spirit that's the Holy Spirit if there were not other alternate spirits that were providing spiritual experiences? So these idols may have been mute, right? Just a statue. But the biblical worldview behind the statue is that there is a wide variety of spirits at work in our world. Now, this is hard because you and I, we're probably on the materialist end, right? We just think atoms, neutrons, protons, electrons, chemicals, periodic table of elements, that's it. But no, no, no. Jesus shows us over and over and over again that our world is not just a material world. 
You are not Madonna living in a material world. You're not a material girl or guy, right? There's a spiritual aspect of our world. And there are spiritual experiences that Paul is not saying are not real. He's not saying, oh, that's, that's fake. He's saying there are other spirits. Here's why you need to know what the Holy Spirit produces. The Holy Spirit brings life. Other spirits bring bondage. And this is really important, okay? So let's break it down practically for us here. Uh, if, if you come into following Jesus and you come from other religious backgrounds and you've had other experiences, other spiritual experiences, it's important to realize that there's spiritual reality behind those. But now as a Jesus follower, you're saying, I'm not going after just any type of spiritual experience. I'm going after experiences from the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, if you, you know, maybe have been involved in witchcraft or sorcery, or maybe when you were a kid, you, you kind of did some of that stuff, right? And it was like, ah, oh, it's just fun and games. What we see here, right, is that there are real spiritual experiences outside of the kingdom of God, right, that we want to avoid. We want the experience of the Holy Spirit that lifts Jesus up. Uh, I remember early on in my relationship with Jesus, I, I'm a new believer and I love to work out. And at that time, I listened to a lot of rap music. It's just a unique fact about me. And I remember being at the gym. I'm in college. I'm at the gym. I'm listening to uh, this, this song uh, while I'm doing the, the, the treadmill or the stair climber. It was a stair climber. And the song, uh, I, for the first time, I'd listened to the song a million times. But for the first song, I was like, what's this saying? And in the guy, the, the, the rap song, the guy is talking about how demons are speaking to him and how the devil is pursuing him. And I'd listened to this song a million times. And in that moment, something came up within me. No one told me. No one said, you shouldn't listen to that. I just realized, like, wait, I'm a Jesus person now. I don't know that I need to be listening to marinating my mind in how to communicate with demons. That's not the direction I'm going, right? And all of us have situations like that where the Holy Spirit wants to help us be aware of, oh, that, that's, that's not the direction that I'm going. That's not the experience that I'm pursuing. I had another friend who I was discipling him. I was trying to help him walk with Jesus. And he told me one day, he asked me, hey, have you seen this movie? And I said, no, I haven't seen it. I, I didn't really know about it. I, and he said, he said, wow. This movie is so evil. There's so much darkness in it. There's so much kind of demonic stuff in it. You really need to be prayed up to go see that movie. And I was like, or I have another solution. I'll go to the movie that's showing on the screen over that's not that, right? I, I, I'm just going in a different direction, okay? Does this mean, if you're here, that you shouldn't do yoga, you shouldn't read Harry Potter, you shouldn't do Lord of the Rings? I realize I'm touching on a lot of hot buttons for people. Does, does that mean? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but it might. And here's what you need to know. You're going to need to pray and you're going to need to walk with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to need not to live like a materialist. It's just like, well, there's nothing really there. It's just kind of fun. No, 
you're going to need discernment. You don't need to swing to the other side and become the Spanish Inquisition, you know, but, but we need to be wise in how we walk and how we live. And if you're a parent, you need to be wise in what you let influence your kids in this area. Okay. Don't live like a materialist. That's what Paul's saying. Focus, learn. The spirit of God wants to lift up Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings life. Other spirits bring bondage. You don't want bondage. Verse, tw- uh, verse four. Oh, I, I forgot. Oh man, I, I'm, I'm, this is a huge point. I forgot in the first service. I got to tell you guys this. This is so important. Like, oh my goodness, so important. The second thing that you need to take from this, right, is that the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus being Lord. The Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus being Lord. What this means is that when you are in a worship environment and you do not feel anything, when you are in an environment where you're praying and you're trying to hear God and you don't hear anything, you're like, I, I just, I don't, I don't get anything, right? Your faith is not built on your experience. Your faith is not built on what you felt in that worship service. Your faith is not built on what you felt like you heard from the Lord or didn't hear from the Lord. Listen, guys, our faith is built on the resurrection of Jesus. Our faith is built on Jesus as Lord. Let's just apply this in some other areas. Your faith and my faith cannot, cannot be built on the success of my marriage or your marriage. It cannot. If, if that's what I built my faith on, right, and it doesn't work out the way that I hope, and I hope your marriage works out the way that you hope, I'm just saying, right, you're going to get thrown asunder. Your faith cannot be built on whether uh, you got pregnant when you wanted to get pregnant or that child came when you wanted it to come. Your faith can't rest there. I hope those things for you. But that's not where we hang our faith. The, the solid place, the place that we put our anchor down is the resurrection of Jesus and the meaning of the resurrection. Not if I get a promotion at work this week and that is a sign of God's blessing and favor and reality in my life. Yet so many of us, because if you're in my generation, we really are so often owned by our feelings. We will hang our faith. We'll put the anchor of our faith based on How my work is going? How my marriage is going? Is my family going the way that I thought? Did I have that religious experience or not? And that is a terrible place to build your life. Because when circumstances come and it doesn't work out the way that you hoped, right? You're shipwrecked. And God doesn't want you to be shipwrecked. We hang our faith on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means. Our experience, our subjective experience of the Holy Spirit is built on that reality. That means if I don't feel anything in worship today, it doesn't mean that God is not real and Jesus is not on the throne. It doesn't mean that God doesn't speak and God doesn't heal if the person I pray for doesn't get healed, right? I can grow in my experience. I can grow in my communion with the Spirit, right? But it's built on the solid fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Okay, let's keep going, guys. Verse four, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. 
So Paul makes the same point that he's made in each of the passages that we look at is that there are different types of gifts that the spirit brings, right? But they're of the same spirit, okay? Any of you heard of the tree of 40 fruits? Any tree of 40 fruits, people? Oh, you're gonna learn something today, okay? So uh, a gentleman who's skilled in agriculture and that sort of thing took components of 40 different trees and grafted them together to develop the tree of 40 fruits. You can see its picture on the slide. It's one tree with 40 different fruits, 40 different types of fruit. If you can show the picture of the harvest. See all these different types of fruit on the same tree. Okay, so take that image, right? We, when we come to Jesus, we are bonded together. We are brought into the family of God. We are grafted together. It's actually the language the scripture uses. And we are one, but the spirit works in our midst. The same spirit works in believers to bear different types of fruit or show different types of gifts. So we're not all trying to be apples. We're not all trying to be oranges. You don't need to be like me. I don't need to be like you. We both need to focus on Jesus and let the spirit produce the gifts that he wants to in our lives. That's what Paul is his point. That's what he's making. Verse seven, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So note again, Paul's saying to each one. That means not to the Green Beret Christians, the double black diamond, you know, ninjas of Christianity. That's not what he's saying. It's not saying it's just to the paid ministry staff. That's not what he's saying. It's not saying it's just to the original apostles. That's not what he's saying. What is he saying? To each one, the manifestation or the demonstration, the spirit wants to show up in your life and mine, to each one. So turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, to you. Turn to yourself and say, to me. Turn to your other neighbor and say, to you. Right, I wanna make sure that you're getting this because this is equipping for you. This is not just information that we kind of let fly over us. This is equipping to go into our week empowered for your calling, okay? And you need to understand that the Spirit doesn't just wanna work in me or that guy back there or that lady over there. The Spirit wants to work in you and me and us together. And it's not for our own glory, it's not like we're, you know, Boy Scouts, you get the merit badges or Girl Scouts. I think if you sell so many cookies, you get, you know, you get certain badges or whatever. Uh, it's not that. This isn't merit badge Christianity. No, the gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, okay? The gifts of the Spirit are not our merit badges. They're gifts given. It's the work of the Spirit to bring glory to God, to show people how good Jesus is and to help our neighbor, Okay? If we get off track on that, we're going to be in a, in a uh, rocky place. Now, let's jump into the gifts. That's where Paul goes. And if you're taking notes, uh, I would encourage you to take notes because th these are things that you want to learn. And we actually have, um, you can use your smartphone or whatever you got, but, but we also have these little journals that are cool that are available on these tables behind the columns that you can take. They're free. And you can use those to take notes to write this stuff down. Again, because you're being equipped to go out into your week and live your calling. Verse eight, to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. So what is this message of wisdom? Let me give you a definition. A revelatory insight 
Meaning it didn't just come from me, revelatory. It comes from the spirit, insight, about how to relate to a person or a situation. We see this in the life of Jesus over and over again. One classic story, they bring to him the woman who's caught in adultery. The religious leaders bring this lady who is caught in adultery. Where's the man that she was caught with? We don't know, but they bring the lady, right? It's a setup. How did they know that that was going on? They're setting the whole thing up, right? It's unjust. They bring her to Jesus and they say to Jesus, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. The law says we need to stone her. What do you say? Jesus is stuck, right? If he says, no, you shouldn't stone her, then they say, well, you don't value the word of God. If he says you should stone her, then everyone is like, what? This is so unjust. Like you're letting these corrupt men just do whatever, right? Lose-lose situation. What do you do? You and I face those type of situations all the time. I don't know what to do, right? What does Jesus do? He kneels down, writes some stuff in the dirt. We don't know what he writes, but in that moment, he comes up with a word of wisdom. And he says, okay, you who's without sin, throw the first stone. Well, every one of them knew they had sin, right? So no stones are thrown. Jesus tells the woman, you're not condemned. Go and sin no more. Leave your life of sin, right? A word of wisdom for the moment. Uh, if you are married or hope to get married someday, Man, I've experienced this so many times in marriage. So many times, the Spirit wants to give us a word of wisdom. I have this deal. I, I'm not the best husband in the world, but I, I really try and work on my marriage with my wife. She's awesome. And, and so one of the things I do, from time to time, I try and ask the Lord, God, will you speak to me about my wife? And when I do, from time to time, these little thoughts come to mind. You should buy her flowers today. You should send her a text encouragement today. You should, you know, do, go home and take, take a day off from work or whatever it may be, right? The Spirit gives me wisdom, and when I'll follow through on it, it it's like the perfect day to do that. It's like it means so much to her on that particular day, in that particular moment. He gives wisdom. We experience this in life group all the time when people bring situations it's like, I don't know what to do with this job deal. I don't know what to do with this neighbor deal. I don't know what to do with this dating deal. It's just, I, I, I'm not sure, right? There's a lot of different options. In that moment, the spirit wants to give to your group a message of wisdom to release insight into how to approach the situation. We see this gift at work in the life of Jesus over and over and over again. And get this, Paul is saying, that the Spirit wants to work this way in the life of the church, in the life of believers. That that same gift, the message of wisdom, he wants to release in and through us. That's exciting. We need wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. Okay, so what's that? A revelatory insight related to a hidden fact in someone's life. Okay, you see this in the life of Jesus he is at a well one day getting some water. His disciples are in town getting food. This woman comes. They strike up a conversation. And Jesus begins to speak to her. He doesn't know her. They didn't grow up together. It's not like they spent a lot of time together. But, but he begins to speak to her about the number of broken relationships, broken marriages in her life, the relationships that he's in right then. He begins to speak to her on that. How did he know that? Right? It's a word of knowledge. It's a message 
of knowledge. It was so impacting to the woman. She felt so seen by God, known by God, loved by God, that she went back to her city and brought everyone she could find to come and to meet Jesus, right? And here Paul is saying that gift is not just to be at work in Jesus, but the Spirit wants to give that gift, make it at work in the church. Yesterday, I was at Walmart uh, buying something for uh, my kids, and I was speaking with the guy who was helping me, and we were talking, <clears throat> and, and it was one of those times where you're just like, man, I, I want to I talk to this guy about Jesus. I want to I talk to him. I want to pray for him. I want him to know how much Jesus loves him. I shouldn't really know how to get into the conversation with him. And then this name just came to mind. It just, I was praying, and it just came to mind. So I said, hey, does this name mean anything to you? He said, oh, Yeah. And he went on to talk about a close family member that that led into a longer conversation and that led into being able to pray with him or pray for him. And, and, and then he was like a different person. You could tell that he was like so encouraged because he felt seen and known and valued by, this, by the Holy Spirit. And then he started talking about his purpose and his calling at Walmart. He said, my mission here. And he just kind of started coming alive where he had been just going through the motions. You can tell he's having a hard day. All of a sudden, he's filled with purpose and vision out of this, this thing. God knows me. God knows where I live. God knows what I'm doing. And it just builds faith and confidence. And we can walk in that. Next one, to another faith by the same spirit. So one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to birth faith in our midst, Okay. Now, in the Bible, there's saving faith when we come to believe in Christ. There's continuing faith where we trust God. We sang the song, we're trusting you, Lord, right? But this is a different kind of faith. This is a faith that bursts forward from the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a surge of confidence that rises from the Spirit, which gives extraordinary certainty and assurance that God is about to act through a word or an action. Think about in the life of Jesus, how many times when he's faced with a sick person or a leper or someone like that, where he'll say, rise and walk, pick up your mat and go home, go here and you'll be healed. It's this faith that bursts forth in the moment, this confidence that God is on the move. And the Holy Spirit wants to release that type of faith in our midst, that type of surety and confidence that God is going to move in a particular situation. Verse nine, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. I want to make sure you just see we're just going through the list because I want you to see this is in the word. Gifts of healing, okay? So both gifts and healings are plural, the plural form. And what we see here is that this is a supernatural healing power from the Holy Spirit released by one person into the life of another. And they're different kinds, right? There's a variety of healings. And the spirit brings those healings and releases those healings in our midst. And if you have a lot of questions on this, we've spent a lot of time this year just really learning and pursuing this idea of healing and the healing power of Jesus. And if you have questions, I want to encourage you to go on, online to our website or iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or whatever podcast app you use. And we did a whole teaching series on the healing ministry of Jesus, in-depth teaching to help equip us in this. And I want you to refer back to that if you have more questions on that. Uh, in, in verse 10, he goes on to say, to miraculous powers. Okay, so that's miracles. Again, we see miracles 
at work in the life of Jesus. There's water that turns to wine. There's, uh, there's food that's multiplied. There's storms that are calmed. And here Paul is saying that it's not just that the Spirit was at work in the life of Jesus, but that he wants to work in our lives, that miracles would be a part of our life. It would be part of our life together. Anybody excited about miracles? Come on. I don't, don't check out at Tex-Mex yet, okay? You'll get there, right? You can go, you can go have your Tex-Mex in a minute. But think about this. God wants to work miracles in our lives. Prophecy, okay? That's the speaking forth of something that God has brought to mind by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Primarily directed at edification, comfort, and encouragement. I had coffee with a friend this week, and they're getting ready to move out of town. I was trying to catch up with him on this move and understand what's going on. And he was sharing with me how uh, he wasn't thinking about moving. His family wasn't thinking about moving. But one day he was in prayer and he just senses that God says, hey, it's time to go. And he says a city that they were called to move to and a new thing he was called to do. Just kind of out of the blue. He's like, I don't know. I shared it with my wife. We prayed about it. We really felt like it was the Lord. So they were praying about the timing and they're in the car. Get this. They're in the car on the way to a life group type meeting. They're talking and he's felt like that they should move by this certain date, this certain month. Talking about a specific month in the car on the way to this meeting. They go into the, the life group time. There's a lady there who they don't know. And during, during the, the worship time, she comes over to him. She says, hey, I felt like the Lord gave me a, a word for you. I felt like the Lord is saying and just submit it to you that, that it's time for you to go. It's time to move. In fact, you, you need to move by this certain date. And she said the same month that this guy and his wife have been talking about in the car. She didn't know them. No one knew this. This was their private conversation. Let that sink in for a moment. That's here in Dallas. I can point you to the person in the house. That's amazing. Think about the confidence and the faith that was built in my friends through someone sharing a prophetic word. Wow, God is in this. And now they're empowered to step out in faith. It's a big risk what they're taking. Step out in faith in this new thing God's called them to. And that edification for that came out of a gift, out of a, out of a word of prophecy. Again, on our podcast this year, we've taken time to do deep dives on many of these gifts in our filled nights. And we have all those sessions that are recorded and up online on our podcast. So I'd encourage you this week, if you're hungry for this, right? Go listen in. If you missed one, go listen in an hour on each of them and just let it sink deep within you. To another distinguishing of spirits, right? So we think, we think that is the, um, let's see, that's the supernatural revelation brought by the Holy Spirit as the spirit behind a person. Okay, so we see Jesus uh, casting out demonic spirits all the time. And this is something that the, the Holy Spirit wants to do in the church. Speaking in different kind of tongues, Covered that for an hour on the podcast, so I don't have time to go into it today, but walk through the Bible, walk through testimonies. If you want the gift of tongues or want to learn about it, go there. I encourage you to do that. And interpretation of tongues. Now look in verse 11. All these things are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Okay, so get what He's saying here. He's saying that, that these are gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives them as the Holy Spirit determines. So when we come together, when you go to your life group and someone needs a word of wisdom, it's not like, well, I don't have that gift. That's not me. No, you have the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit has that gift. And if we'll open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, if we'll take time to listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will distribute what he wants to distribute to meet the needs in the moment. So it's not, you've got this gift, I've got this gift, that person. No, the Spirit is the one who has the gifts, who wants to work in and through us to meet the needs in a moment. Now think about this. As we were talking about Tex-Mex, think about this. If you go to your life group this week and in the car on the way there, you say, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want to do, do tonight? I'm not talking you're the leader. I'm talking you're just a part of the group. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? If everyone in your group went their way, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak through me? Who do you want me to encourage? Who do you want me to serve? If, if we did that, think about how spicy your life group would be. Wow, that'd be like the kind of salsa with all the flavors in there. It's just like, man, this is an explosion in my mouth. It's awesome, right? That's what it would be like. It'd be the work of the Spirit and the life of the people of God. And get this, as we practice this together, as we grow in this together, as we build this habit together like Frank Laubach, well then, when that translates into you're going to school and you're like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? Who do you want me to sit next to? Who do you want me to encourage? Who needs some help? Or at your workplace, or with your kids, or, or, or in your neighborhood, wherever it may be, if we would carry that practice into our weeks, man, we would demonstrate the glory and the goodness and the power of Jesus to our city, to our neighbors, and God would be glorified and people would be helped. That's so exciting. I wanna invite you to stand as we close, I want you to, to take something from this and make a commitment that this week, right, you're going to take time somewhere in your week, going to life group. You're going to take time to stop and to listen to the Spirit and then to step out in faith. We'll have our prayer and prophetic team available to minister to anyone who would like prayer in this area. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, man, we want to help you come to know Jesus. He is the best thing best decision you'll ever make. And if you'll come forward, we'll help you with that. And if you have any other prayer needs, we'd like to invite you to, to, to pray, to come forward and receive ministry. But I'm gonna pray for all of us right now. And if our team can come forward and be available for prayer, that would be awesome. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you have given the Holy Spirit to your people and that the Spirit is at work in our midst. God, and I pray that you would help us to be more sensitive, more aware, more open to the things of the Spirit. God, and we're excited to see the fruit that comes from that as we learn and we grow together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.